1: Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Promised Land, and Manchester United podcast, brought to you by 90min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods, Apple, Spotify, or Google. We're on all of them. And follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised Land MU, Rob. Um... A win for Man United in dramatic circumstances at the weekend. Uh, and now we enter a slightly weirdly timed international break. Uh, so it does mean that we've got just under two weeks off from a United game, I think, with the next game, Middlesbrough and the FA Cup. How are you doing? Because you
2: were there at Old Trafford on Saturday. I'm doing good. And I think I'm still two or three days later living off a victory. The, in the last minute. And it's it's quite funny, isn't it, with football fans? Is that that feeling that's immediate when you win a game in the last minute can last days rather than just minutes. So you can still hear it a little bit of my throat with how much screaming I was doing in the 93rd minute, jumping up and down, doing backflips from my seat in the North Stand. Um, still feel good about it. And I think we saw plenty of other good stuff besides just the victory. You know, I think we're starting to see uh, an unfolding of Ralph Raniuk's tactics of what he wants to see on a football pitch and what we want to see. We'll talk about that a little bit, because I think,
1: for me, it was probably the most positive performance that I've seen so far under Raniuk. And as we've alluded to on this podcast, all season long, there's not been too many good, complete controlled performances from United you could probably count them on one hand even like if, I don't know whether that's stretching it a little bit but there's certainly not been too many so we'll talk about the West Ham game we'll talk about what it means in the context of the season um and what it means for Ralph himself um I do want to dig more into Rob's experience in the ground because it did feel like a nice old school throwback to you know some of the classic late winners that we've we've seen down the years at Old Trafford you were there with your son right
2: of I was yeah and you know you feel pretty blessed in that moment I think when you walk out the stadium that that you're there with your son and it's something that that I know he'll remember forever because I can remember being in that stadium as a kid and seeing magical moments. I can remember Neil Webb's debut where against Arsenal where he controls the ball from 30 yards out on his chest. And buried it in the top corner and I was stood in the Stratford end and I saw the ball come straight towards my head and hit the back of the net. And those things stick with you forever. That's why you stick with a football club that you love and you wait for those moments. And, I've, you know, I've been really blessed to see 13 Premier League titles, victories with Manchester United, and I never thought I'd see one when I was that kid in that stadium. So I know for my son being there, we we really did lose it. And, uh, and and it just reminded me of other magical moments at Old Trafford. Actually a point on the name of this show, The Promised Land. I mean,
1: we chose it a long time ago now, like long before this series actually started. Um, the Promised Land comes from that line from Clive Tildesley in 99, uh, with the thought process behind it being What we're going to track Man United's journey back to the promised land because they seem so far off it at the moment. But it just seemed like there was a little bit of a a throwback to old days. And it's suggestions of a little bit more control in the Ralph, as we've said there. So are things looking up? United are in fourth going into this break, uh, and you know, just getting back on track for the rest of the season and starting to put a plan in place will be music to everyone's ears. But also on today's show. Uh, Obviously, we've got just under a week left of the transfer window. Uh, There's probably going to be a lot of, I say a lot, several players moving on. Um, And when I say several, I can think of maybe three or four that are likely to go. Um, We'll discuss all of those names, Anthony Martial, Jesse Lingard, Eric Bailly possibly, and maybe there's some others too, but I'm going to pose the question to Rob about, will this leave them too thin if they all manage to come off? And will we see any incoming? So, That's what we've got on today's show. Hopefully we'll uh, uh, flow through things quite smoothly and get 40 minutes of this done. uh, Nice and concise, Rob. And then we can go about our day and we'll see you next Tuesday as well after the transfer window closes. Rob, let's talk about West Ham because obviously as we've discussed there, you were there, um, a nice win, but it didn't really feel like it was going to happen. But as I mentioned, for me, it was probably one of the, games with the most positives in it um, this season even, especially under Ralph Randi, because he's had 10 games now. United looked in relative control, and while I don't think either team really deserved to win, I think United did shade it in a sense. So if if I had to pick one team to win it on the balance, I think I would have picked United, but it did look like it was going to peter out. But it was a big three points.
2: Yeah, I think, as I said after the game as well, that I think that West Ham will believe that they deserved a point but stood in that stadium, it really did feel like United deserved three points. So it's kind of the tail of the tape there. Um, United dominated this match. You know, you look at the stats, you look at what was there in the eye test, Manchester United dominated this game. The only real issue is the cutting edge in the final third. So if Man United had that cutting edge, you know, this is why you bring Ronaldo to the football club. This is why you have all these forwards. You should win this game comfortably. Of course, West Ham are a really good team. And I think that, You know, as the game went on, West Ham didn't really have a lot in terms of territory or, you know, progressive passing or stuff that they've done well this season under David Moyes. But Manchester United had control. You use that word control. United haven't had control for years. They really haven't. They haven't done it under any of the previous kind of three or four managers. They've always been this individual freewheeling side that can really beat you up, really hurt you can take the points week after week but not really do what Man City do not really do what Liverpool do with with that element of control so we saw that against West Ham you know they controlled the match from start to finish almost there were little blips within the game I think West Ham almost nicked it right at the end it really did feel that they'd get a corner a set piece you know that was the capitulate. concern it's Thomas Suchek wasn't it I think there was a chance it went just wide yeah Yeah, when that ball gets swung in and and he kind of gets that flick on, he doesn't doesn't get full contact. I thought it was in the back of the net, you know, and there was a couple of times Jared Bowen as well had a shot and it hit the side net and it felt like it was going to go in the back of the net. So there were a few of those kind of hairy moments, but United had control. And that is such a big step forward, I think, from, say, 10 games ago when when Ranjit came to the football club. Manchester United couldn't control a football, let alone control a match. So... It it is positive. It is going in the right direction. There was A lot of United fans afterwards still kind of a little bit discourse saying it wasn't a particularly good game. I felt just before the final whistle, before we scored the goal, I was doing the routine in my head of saying, well, it was a goalless draw, but United were the better team and talking those points through my head. But of course, then you get the victory, you get the winner and all of it makes sense a little bit more. And I think United deserved it. And and I think they'll feel that, that, that their hard work for 93 minutes paid off with three points because let's be honest it hasn't always done that hard work is a good point I mean
1: we have talked we talked uh and United fans have talked frequently about the fact that the players maybe haven't been trying as hard as you would expect them to I know we touched on a Marcus Rashford moment a few weeks ago again in the FA Cup I think it was where he didn't go for a ball and what that kind of signified but I felt like I actually want to talk about Marcus Rashford thinking of that in a little bit, but it just seemed like the cohesion and control was there and the players are putting the correct amount of effort into going, you know, that they were, I hate to go back to these words of cohesion and control, but it was just so obvious to see. It was such a different performance from what we've seen in the last few weeks. And it's been whereas it's been patchy, this was for 90 odd minutes, I think.
2: Yeah, and and also you've got to kind of apply what I call Red Bull science to this. So we know what the Red Bull system is and how Ranić set that up. And that's something that goes back many, many years. And it's applying that science to Manchester United. And the big question, of course, is can they do it? Can they actually take these tactics and turn it into winning football? Now, one match doesn't signify anything really. But we saw for 93 minutes that Manchester United ran and ran and ran, and ran. And like you said there, we've not seen that. So even under Ole, with a manager that they all loved and got on with, and there was kind of good cohesion behind the scenes, uh, you know, a happy dressing room, that didn't really translate into performance or hard work. You know, they're a bunch of joggers. You know, I've said it before. So there was no jogging. And I think what was good against West Ham was they met fire with fire. So there was quite a lot of times when West Ham's midfield had the ball. They were trying to progress it, obviously, through Bowen and through Antonio and through Declan Rice. What did United do? They double teamed them. They teamed up. They stole the ball around the halfway line and they got on with it. And that's something we haven't seen. That's Ralph Ranick football. But it's difficult to get players who want to do just say maybe the more beautiful parts of the game rather than the hard work. So we saw the hard work, it paid off. There's nothing more powerful for Ralph Ranick to sell that to his players than a victory. So when he says, if you run, you'll win games, that's a football match you don't win three weeks ago, Scott, because you're not running as much. So you run more, you put more effort in, and you steal the victory. And you could see what it meant to those players. You know, we talk about commitment. You know, they were in front of us there in a the corner flag, absolutely losing their minds like we were. They were with us in that moment. And we were with them in the 93rd minute when that goal went in. And that is important because it's about uniting the football club. You know, It's buzzword, United for United. That's what we were in that moment. And it was important. So that's what Ranik is bringing, I think, to the football club. But it will take still more time. I think his assistant needs refinement. How long he's got, you know, four months to kind of keep United above water and in the Champions League. You're now in the top four. Somehow you've got to stay there.
1: I particularly enjoyed Scott Tominay going head over heels um, in the process of his celebrations. I don't know if you picked that up. Uh, I saw it. You broke his neck. I know. It was like, it was like, I saw it and I thought he's out for the rest of the season. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, Marcus Rashford obviously got the goal. Um, I want to come back to this because, you know, we we've spoken in previous weeks about Rashford maybe being off form or maybe looking a bit disillusioned. Uh, He's come out with statements saying he's hurt by United's plight and this kind of stuff, and he's showing it on the pitch. But we haven't really seen... We haven't seen the Marcus Rashford we know. And I wanted to actually talk about Ralph's part in this because Anthony Alanga obviously has been given the nod in the last few weeks. I tweeted this as well. He's been given the nod in the last few weeks, and Ralph has made it clear that he's training very well so, we are going to give him a chance. And that is how you should pick a football team. It should be picked on merit and how much you, how well you train and this kind of stuff. And over the last few years, United players have been picked just because they're this player or that player. Marcus Rashford has lost his place in the team. And Alanga's come in, played quite well, and got his chance coming on to try and change a game. And now, in the last two games, we've seen two goals from Marcus Rashford. One was obviously at At Brentford, which was, you know, didn't really impact the significance of the game. But this one, very important, three points clincher. And it just looks like we've got a different Marcus Rashford. So do you think Ralph deserves credit for how he's managed him?
2: Of course. And I think one of the big story points under Solskjaer was that Marcus Rashford was severely overplayed, you know, during periods of injury and times of fatigue. And, you know, you saw he went into those Euros. He ended up with England. And he's still there. He misses a penalty for England in the European final. And that's something he's had to carry ever since. So it doesn't doesn't surprise me that as a human being that that's affected his form. But I think with Ranić, he has to do this. He has to kind of break down the bricks of the house, you know, and redo the mortar. And that takes time, you know, rebuilding it. And Marcus Rashford is part of that story. So what I really liked about Rashford's goal was that it was a tap-in, a striker's tap-in from two yards, not from 35 yards in the top corner like Marcus likes to do or beating four players and slotting it away. It was just a tap-in. And we need more of that, not just from Marcus, but from all the forwards that they connect, join the dots and score simple goals. In the end, that goal epitomised Ralph Ranick football. Four passes back to front within five seconds and, and an easy tap-in at the end for even the most out-of-form striker, who could do that? And I think uh, Marcus said after the game, I think it was key he said this, was that he said that in the last week or two, he started to feel it again. And he, it's kind of ambiguous to say feel it. But what he meant was he started to feel that he can do this again, that he can get his form back and be a striker. And all strikers, I think, go through that where they just are not feeling it and nothing they do works. The ball doesn't go in the net and suddenly it's 10 games you haven't scored a goal. Every player has that. Ronaldo's had that. You know, Marcus has had that. Harry Kane has had it this season. Every top player can go through that. So I think for Marcus now and for for Ralph Ranick, the key is getting the most out of him. But also, you know, it doesn't mean he's to start immediately. I think Ancia Lange has proved that if you're hungry and you've got talent, that there's a place for you at Manchester United. And let's be honest. Maybe in the last two, three, four years, that's not always been the case for young players. It's been a case that, I don't want to use the word favourites, but I think there's been trusted players who start games. And now maybe with Man United being outside the top four, their manager getting sacked, that trust has evaporated. Now we start from scratch, and I think that's a good thing.
1: Hopefully over the next few weeks, obviously United don't play um, for a little while now as we record this um, and the transfer window is going to close up. We'll see what United's squad looks like and that kind of stuff ahead of the resumption of the season. But you've got players like Hannibal who've been at AFCON and Ralph has spoken about Hannibal in the last few weeks saying, you know, there could be a potential pathway similar to the Alanga path that, that, that he could take as well. So if United do go and offload different uh, a few different players who were established in the first-team squad, maybe there's a sign that you'll get a few more names from the youth team drafted in here, and that's proven it's proven to work so far.
2: Look, Hannibal was someone I've wanted in the team, going back to Solskjaer. I always found it a bit strange that Ole didn't really give him that next step, because d- despite some of his own weaknesses as a young player, he's got something. Yeah, He's, he's got enough energy to do the work. He can be progressive. He can keep the ball. He can do so many different things. And he's still really just relatively a kid. But if you get him in now, you can shape him, can't you? So I think that's what we've seen with Alanger is that Alanger's doing it in training. So Ralph's going, I'll give you a go. And Marcus, you're not doing it. You know, you're in your early 20s, still like 23 years old or whatever he is. So go and sit on the bench. That will help you, you know, watch the game a little bit, see what I want to see from these players that I've picked. So yeah, I think Hannibal could be a big piece in the next few months for for Ralph Rangnick because he he fits the style of football but I can also see him being a little bit like Bolshe. I can see him getting on the ball and doing stuff that maybe say Fred McTominay, Matic simply can't do. They don't have his talent so if he can translate talent on a football pitch with hard work it could be a lovely marriage for Rangnick and for Hannibal. Fingers
1: crossed. It's nice though to have a nice feeling back um, because we've (laughs) <laughs> too too often this season we've come on and pointed out the flaws in United. And it's just nice to see a performance like that against West Ham, especially going into a break where it just lifts the mood, lifts the feeling among the fans, lifts their league position. And you can have a positive outlook on the rest of the season,
2: right? Yeah, look, winning is the only tonic in football. It really is. Like Football fans will not stand by and go, well, that was a good performance if you're getting draws and defeats. So I think with Ralph Rangnick, when you think about it, ten games, one defeat. I think there's a blueprint there. That shows that he he's finding ways to get results in the first instance. I think now we're seeing the football and that football paying dividends. So you're right. It's nice to finally be able to talk about positive stuff because I think with a club like Man United, that there is so much negativity that swirls around it, both in social media and in reality. Those two things combined. So no, it is good, and I think that. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to hang my hat on it, Scott. I'm going to keep going on and on and on about it. Give Ralph Ranić the job full time. You've got to do it now. You, you, there are other managers out there, but do not wait for them. Don't wait four months, five months, six months for a potch, for a ten hog. You know, we'll talk a little bit maybe more about them later on. But stick with Ralph. Give it a go because he's good enough. I would say that um,
1: the Oli decision... To give him that job, it was based on it was based on obviously great results and that kind of stuff. But it was based on a run of res, it was based on a run of results mainly, and the emotion that came with it after a downfall in Mourinho. But you can see Ralph is like putting the foundations in, you know. It, and it's it be a slightly different decision, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, like do you remember the Rio Ferdinand, Ollie's at the wheel. Uh, how can you yeah. forget? You, yeah, <laughs> right, look, look, I, look, I did something very similar. It's probably still on Twitter somewhere. And I'm sure pe- people do sometimes retweet it to me and go, oh, look, you said this about Ole at the time. You're stupid. I felt that exactly the same way that Rio did, was that for 20 games, something happened at Man United in that period. We'd, we'd just gone out of Mourinho in this incredible, toxic relationship that we'd had with that man and how bad it was into this kind of new dawn of United getting the ball and running. And we were like, oh, my God, they can run. And we were winning matches. So I kind of get that that, that everyone was high at that moment and we needed that a shot in the arm. But the, it was just an easy decision for the Glazers just to, to kind of appease the fan base, wasn't it? Hey, let's give this guy the job. And he should have been, you know, get dealt the same cards. I think that Ranyuk would be now. I think with Ralph Ranick. The, the fan base certainly isn't as high on Ralph because he's got no connections to United. But tactically, I think in just in this short period of time, he's doing more things. in that those 10 games than I saw from the other previous three or four managers in the opening 10 games where it was still just as iffy. You know, we're seeing things that we didn't like. So I think with Ralph, he needs time to build it. He's a tactical coach. He's a builder of football clubs. Let the man go and build. Give him an 18 month contract. If it doesn't work, pat him on the back. Thanks for it. You know, thanks for your consultancy and all your hard work as a coach. And we move on once again.
1: Be interesting to see uh, whether Ralph is retained or not. That's not currently in the plans. You may have seen this week that there have been reports on the shortlist of four managers um, that United are looking at. Uh, I think some of them perhaps don't make as much sense as has been presented. um, But there's two obvious names on there. We're not going to go into that again today, I don't think. But There's a few decisions to be made in the next few months, but more pertinently, there's a few decisions to be made over the next week because we are in the final week of the transfer window. We're filming or recording this on Tuesday. So there's six days left until the transfer window closes or slams shut, as some like to say. Uh, And it looks as though, even though United fans are hopeful that we'll get some new arrivals, it does look to be the most, it does look to be mostly that players will be leaving. So we'll start with Anthony Martial. Um, as it stands, as we record this, it looks as though, and even by the time this is released, he could be presented by Sevilla if, uh, if you know, things go to plan. On loan to Sevilla for the rest of the season, Sevilla covering his wages, which was the sticking point, uh, but no option to buy. So what does this mean, Rob? Um, Martial played a role in the goal the other day and you said... If Martial isn't there, we don't win that game. So, you know, he does want to play regularly, though. He'll, he she should get that in Seville. But is there a way back under a new manager for him if there's no buy option?
2: Under a new manager and a different manager, yeah. I'm not quite sure that if Ralph Ranik was the coach next season and we're playing, as I said, this Red Red Bull system in, in terms of tactics, that he fits that at all. It's not really what he's good at. I don't think he's good at, at a counter-press. Can you imagine Anthony Martial... You know, being given those tactics week in, week out, saying right, what you've got to do is steal the ball back in the half court and get United going on a front foot. No, not really his game. He's a talented boy, and I think he'll go to Sevilla, and I think he'll do really well if he's the number nine there or he's playing on the left hand side of a front three in a four three three. I think that he'll do well in Spain, and and he needs a new start. You know, this is sometimes you really need to know when to cut your losses, uh, and I think with Martial, that's kind of where the the juncture that that both United and him are. In terms of their relationship, but look, Marshall, like you said, there, you know, if you don't bring him on late in that game, both him and Cavani and of course Rashford scoring, they're the reason why you win that football match. So if you lose him because you're going to send him out on loan, then that's something you have to swallow. But at the same time, I think that when we're talking about the young players on the fringe. Someone like a Langer will give you that energy that you need on the left-hand side. Marcus will come back. You hope Jaden Sancho, obviously, you know he's, he's um, suffering a bereavement at the moment, why so he's not in, in the um, not playing. That he will come back as well. United have got options going forward. You have got Shoiratiray. There's there's other players, you know, Ahmed, who could fit the system better than Anthony Martial. So I think United feel okay about that. And then you might need someone like Hannibal, who links it all up through midfield. You know, if you can get that right in the next say. Two, three, four weeks when when the winter break is over, then losing Ante Marcial won't hurt too much.
1: Marcial is looking to swap a race for top four for a La Liga title race. Actually, Sevilla four points off Real Madrid uh, in Spain after twenty two games, and it does well. Their rivals Betis are six points behind them in third. It does really look it as though it's a two or three horse race in Spain at the moment, and Marcial could. um If he hits form, end up playing a key role in that. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about incoming's probably in a little bit. But you know, I think United fans are desperate to see just new faces because you know, new faces, shiny toys are the most important thing. But as you mentioned there, um, as we talked about already, somebody like Hannibal could effectively be that and just not really be considered on the radar at the moment. But they could play that role, right?
2: Yeah, of course, and 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 I think it's. It's now about not being so focused on stardom. You know, when we talk about your big players, like Man United have been like that for years. You know, we're just talking there about, you know, you talked about the promised land and, and why the pod is called that. It, it, when, I, when I grew up, United were that club. They were that club that had kind of star players. They just didn't win. You know, in the 80s, you know, we had Brian Robson and everyone else carried, were carried by Robbo. You know, Robbo got you where you needed to be or close. But all the other players you had were, were kind of just faux stars. And I feel like that now, you know, you don't need stars. You need players that get you victories. You know, you need your, your wynaldums like Liverpool had, you know, that kind of player, your Hendersons, because they're the ones that get you victories every week. And United need to build that. So I think with Anti Martial, £200,000 a week, that's hundred grand a month, times that by 12. Obviously, this will be six but until the end of the season. That is a lot of money. And Man United can at least go and reinvest that. That's the hope now, is that that even if they don't reinvest it in this window, because I think that's going to be difficult with a week to go, kind of getting to the end of it, that that money is embanked, those wages are banked, and you can go and get one, two, three players in the summer that really take the team forward. What do you think will happen
1: with Jesse Lingard, Rob? Uh, at the moment, there's interest from Newcastle. I think West Ham have been interested as well. Tottenham have been linked too, but United are... Surrounded by the likes of West Ham and Tottenham, Newcastle, not so much. The question will be, obviously, Lingard is out of contract at the end of the season. It doesn't seem like he's going to sign a new deal. Uh, so he will be leaving on a free transfer as it stands at the moment, or will he be leaving on a permanent deal to Newcastle, or will it be a loan for the rest of the season? Does he want to go there? How do you see that one playing out?
2: I think that he's attracted to Newcastle. You know, we, we know this from our, from our sources and kind of how, what he thinks of Newcastle as a football club, but you've got to just remember he's had an incredible period in London before, before being on loan at West Ham. So there is that as well. I think living in London is a very different thing to living in the Northeast. I really do. So I think for Jesse Lingard, the, the key question will be this. If he has England aspirations, he needs to get off Manchester United's bench. That's the first thing. And we know that he does. He's he's highly motivated by doing well for England and getting picked in that squad. Uh, He nearly ended up, obviously, uh, going with England to the last major championships. Didn't quite work out for him. But he had an incredible period at West Ham. And I think he, he sees that path again. So it would not surprise me if he leaves the football club this week. But I think the big stickling point is that if he stays... He's in for an incredible payday in the summer, a big payday, put him in the elite standard of Premier League earners. So there's always that. And I think that's where the advice given to him will be. It would not surprise me if he just sees out the six months at United and and does that. But at the same time, if Newcastle, with all the money that they've got, if they can offer him the wages that it would give him next year and United can maybe get a token fee for him, that a deal could be done very, very quickly.
1: I think Lingard is going to be one of several players over the next few years. It's already started that trend, but to see their contract out, we could see this happen with Paul Pogba as well, Kylian Mbappe, tons of players. That if, I don't know if you've seen the list of players out of contract in 2022, but it is absolutely massive. And you've got players like Mo Salah next summer who could potentially run their contract down. It's a it's a growing trend. It's gonna it's gonna become a big thing in it?
2: It's because uh, it's it's an influence by American sports, yeah, and especially like the NBA. So free agency in the NBA is something that's very common, that you have someone who wants a bigger payday, wants their $150 million contract, and it's acceptable to sit down on your backside for a year, see your contract out, move to another basketball club. Now, I think in football, that's something that, that just was not accepted, you know, certainly over the whole of my lifetime, that a player that you owned, could just walk away for nothing. You know, you always wanted a transfer fee. But you're right. We're in that in that stage now of the world where I think globally it's acceptable more now in football. And players leaving for that payday is now something that's become common practice.
1: Yes, uh, and you are seeing, or you have seen over the last few years, a number of clubs, including United, get burned by playing paying massive transfer fees for players, only to then... Well, massive fees and massive wages, and then being unable to offload certain players. So I think it'll be a, a Alexa Sanchez. Yes, uh, <laughs> it'll be a trend that starts to grow um, over the next few years. I'm certainly looking at that Mo Salah situation at Liverpool and thinking: Will they pay him that much money? He wants. Will he will he
2: end up walking? We'll see about I'll that. Stick my neck on the block again. Let's do it. Let's Go do on. it. I'm a football journalist. Go Mo on. Salah will not be at Liverpool. He will leave. I'm telling you that now. That's when what I feel. this summer or so, next? I think the thing with Mo Salah is that as 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 much as he loves Liverpool and as much as, you know, he's become the best player in the world at Liverpool, you can't deny it. You know, he's he's gone from being Chelsea reject, you know, to the best player on the planet. Unplayable. He's, done it, he's done it all at Anfield and the credit is is his forever. But he wants to play for Real Madrid. He wants to play for those clubs. You know, he's from Egypt, they, you know, in Northern Africa, those clubs in Southern Spain and um, in Spain, and obviously the Southern countries in Europe, they really do appeal, you know, there's something there for them. So I I don't think Liverpool want to pay and break their wage structure. So that's one thing I'm sure they could come to a deal with him, but it's about ambition, isn't it? And I think that, that he would feel that at this stage of his career, that he's done everything he can at Liverpool. And if there's a big opportunity in La Liga, then, you know, he's done Syria, isn't he? He's done that, that, that league he's done, the English League now. He's done a Premier League. He's won it. He's beaten it. He's proved to the world that that he's great. I don't see him seeing his career out at Liverpool, and and I think also from people that are close to the player, that's what we hear is that he has those ambitions, and this is pro- probably the chance now for him to go and realise those ambitions. Liverpool content on the promised land. Well,
1: uh, <laughs> we'll see about that. I, I mean, like I know Real Madrid at top of the top of La Liga at the moment. And perhaps their star power has waned a little bit, but that could change massively in one summer, and then you leave it another year, and then that option, if it wasn't already appealing to someone like Mo Salah, that's going to be even more appealing, I think.
2: But Madrid are just like Man United, so yeah. it doesn't matter if you're winning or not; you are still you still have that pool because you're you're rich and you have the history. Look at Man United when they got Pogba and Ibrahimovic; they were in the Europa League, you know. So you can go and get the top players and promise them the earth and say, you know, we'll make you a Galactico. We'll make you head Galactico. You know, you come here, you become a God. You're not a footballer anymore. You're actually a God. We know that Liverpool, he is a kind of God as well, but doing it at a club like, like Real Madrid at the Burnabout every week in that environment, uh, that there's a, there's an ilk of player from countries that just desire that that's their, that's their Mecca. That's what they want. And, Real Madrid will always be that, whether they're first in the league or tenth, they they can pull that and they can promise the earth. And Florentino Perez, he's an excellent salesman. Please excuse this uh, Mohamed Salah section on a Man United podcast because I think <laughs> we're just
1: trying to deflect really from the fact that you know it's looking likely that United have paid for a player twice and they're going to see ninety millions worth of an investment end up leaving for nothing twice. Uh, You know, we'll we'll see about that. Um, Paul Pogba, obviously his future's undecided. I don't think he's made a decision yet but he's in that boat as well this summer but let's move on anyway to uh, any other players that we could see leaving this month. Uh, Eric Bailly's name has popped up uh, and there's a number of players in there who aren't really contributing to the first team squad at the moment uh, who have been linked with departures but they might be difficult to shift. So do you see any other players specifically leaving uh, from the United squad, Eric Baye among them?
0: You
2: no, know, I think Bailly's card's been marked for a while, you know. I think the United, you know, gave him that big, they gave him a contract and then almost immediately didn't want him anymore. So that's <laughs> so very Glazer, isn't it? You know, that's we've seen this before at United. Um, I don't know in terms of moving immediately, but Phil Jones, I think there is now a market for him. You know, there wasn't really a market for him going back a few weeks ago. I think he showed just in that little cameo that he did that one game that he's still a footballer and he could be very useful to a Premier League team. And I think Wan-Matter as well, you know, Wan-Matter's kind of the elder statesman of the dressing room now, isn't he? But, you know, what does Wan-Matter do for Man United? Uh, Donny van der Beek as well. I don't see him leaving in this window. Whether Donny van der Beek can truly be a Premier League player, I think there's huge question marks on that. So there's, there's all these question marks on players, you know, Dean Henderson, you could go on forever, Scott of players that are not really helping United. And they're probably at that juncture for themselves at crossroads where they want to play more games. So of course, they're going to be looking for new clubs. I think we could definitely see Dean
1: Henderson leaving this year. Um, you know, I think United will probably end up looking for a new goalkeeper. I think of someone like Sam Johnston at West Brom or something like that who could come in and play, come and play a part in, you know, as that kind of rotation option in goal, if they need it, if Dean Henderson is making as much noise about wanting to leave as he is.
2: Yeah, look, I think um, you've got to give all the credit to David De Gea because 12 months ago, you know, the whole Man United fan base were were on top of De Gea and begging for him to be sold. He's on too much money. He's not good enough X, Y, and Z. And David De Gea is the player of the season. So, I think you've got to give him huge credit and and his age as well. You know, he's still young enough. You just said about Sam Johnson, I don't see that. I think they'll have to maybe go with a younger goalkeeper because it's not a position that you really want to rotate too much. You just want to make sure you've got backup. Of course, Dean Henderson is way too good to be a backup goalkeeper playing six games a year. You're going to have to go and get someone, I think, who... Who looks for the opportunity? You know, someone who's who's younger, who's got maybe the upside in years to come, and might be a future replacement for David. Um, but it, it's it's a tough position, isn't it, goalkeeper? Because I think it's one position you don't really want to kind of chop and change. I think last year that hurt United. I think in some some aspects, when there was this expectation that Henderson had to play some games and De Gea played some games, but you got away with it. Ole managed that, I think, quite well. Uh, this year, you can see Ralph Ranić. He's not playing Dean Henderson, and I wouldn't play him either. <laughs>
1: uh Dean could end up leaving at some point this year Eric Bailly's been linked Jesse Lingard, Anthony Martial there's a number of players who could leave my, my question to you Rob is if United end up offloading three, four players before the end of the week um, will they be left too thin for the remainder of the season if as we ex- I, from my end I don't really expect them to go and buy, or I'd be surprised if they ended up buying a player, but I'm not ruling it out,
2: but, you know, it doesn't seem likely at the moment. Will this leave them too short? Potentially, but I think you're, again, I keep using the word crossroads. I don't want to overuse it because these footballers are not helping you. So if they're not helping you, yeah, of course, if you have an injury crisis or something happens and, you know, Ronaldo breaks a leg, then Rashford breaks a leg and then you lose Scott McTominay. You're going to be short of players, aren't you? And that is an issue. But I think we've been too kind to some of these players for too long. You know, it's time to move them on. It's time for fresh starts. And Randy has spoken openly about United having too much of an inflated squad and that he would rather work with a smaller squad. And that's something that Jürgen Klopp preaches all the time, always talks about how it's better to have 14 in your rotation rather than 24 because it's harder to keep people happy. Uh, and, and that's part of the manager's job is keeping everyone happy. And you can see there's a ton of United players on the on the periphery here who are just n- not into it anymore. They don't want to do it. They're not playing games. Get them out of the football club, save their wages, bank it, and plan for the future. I think that United might get one in this window because I think that ralph has got a, an extensive scouting Little Black Book, and there are players that, that he's looking at. We know that he's looking at players, but will United pull the trigger on a deal for any kind of player, even a £6 million player or £10 million player, when this coach might not be the coach in four months? I think that's the bigger question. I think the answer to that at the moment is probably no.
1: Can I put you on the spot, Rob? Um, if United, Ooh. if we are going to see one player before the end of the week, what position will they be? <laughs> not If you want to give a name, great. But uh, do you think it'll be a midfielder?
2: I think it will be a midfielder because when you look across the pitch and the successes that Ranić's having in certain positions, midfield is still the obvious one that you need more in, more quality. So we've talked about Hannibal and it, I think there will be, there is definitely some kind of logic around the fact that that United believe that Hannibal might be that player. So you'd have to sign him. He already plays for you. He's on your, he's on your books. So that might be the path forward for the midfield. I think that we're seeing now at right back that Delo has a future, but maybe but maybe Aaron Wan-Bissaka doesn't. Maybe he's the guy who's now going to have to fight his way back into the team. So I think across the pitch from the back four, Harry Maguire had a really good game the other day. You're not looking at those positions. I think that United fans tend to, to have a lot of needle with. <laughs> you know, Julian Alvarez is available. He's going to go to Manchester City. That was someone that Man United have scouted and looked at. And he would have been a really good January transfer addition at the price they're talking about. Instead, he's going to be a really good January <laughs> addition to Manchester City. So that's a that's a scary prospect because I think there's so much upside to him for years to come. I'm not sure there's a midfielder out there who, who fits that bill, someone who's a, a real long-term solution. Zakaria, <laughs> potentially, there's still lots of chat around him. But I think Ralph might come up with a wild card. You might see someone come to a football club and we're all like, who? And then they're in the team and they're doing the job. And we're like, oh, oh, this manager knows his stuff. So that won't surprise me. I think we're more likely to see a maybe last minute left field signing or even a loan signing. You know, if United are pushing out these players on loan just to just to kind of recoup the wages, you can give a little bit of that to someone who comes in for six months and needs games and actually fits what you do. Um me giving you names is kind of pointless. I just think it's such a, a a melting pot because it could be anyone as it stands. I don't know about you, Rob, but I miss
1: the days where I was a kid in in the 90s, but, you know, your club would sign this player who you had never heard of out of the blue, out of nowhere. It just seems like everything is so... Uh, fed through nowadays. You you very rarely get those surprise signings. So it would be nice to see United pull one off. I think they do need a little bit of strengthening. I'm not expecting it personally, but you never know if they do manage to get players off the books and save a bit of money this week, then fingers crossed. Um, We have to wrap up there, Rob. Uh, Reminder to you, listener, to subscribe to our show. Um, We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter. Um, You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Land Mu. Um, enjoy the the small break from football. Um, Don't get too uh, caught up in the transfer season. Um, I know most people will, but um, we'll see what happens and we'll see how United squad looks on February 1st and we'll talk about it then. See you soon.